You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This is a Danger Entertainment podcast. DangerEntertainment.net. Danger Entertainment Podcast Network. You've heard others, but nothing could prepare you for the shameful stupidity that is the Jock and Nerd Podcast. Witness the hubris as they claim to be the world's authority on comic book movies. Who said that? Never said that. We've never said that. Who cares? A jock said that. Comic book, TV, movie, reviews, news, and whatever they choose. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Jock and Nerd Podcast. Seriously, people really listen to this. Uh, Jock and Nerd! Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam, including the Tascam Mini Studio. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Crisis for the geek kind. Top geek officials admit they underestimated the hipster's defense capability. Geeks from all over the globe are joining up to fight for the future. They're doing their part. Are you? Join Weeby Geeks and the Geek Revolution and save the world. Service guarantees citizenship. Want to know more? Do not attempt to adjust your device. This is Extreme Freedom Audio Bulletin. It cannot be traced. It cannot be stopped. And it is the only free voice left. And welcome to another episode of Weeby Geeks. It is, yeah, it's that it's your home for those who survived open heart surgery. Okay. <laughs> um, it is your dashing duo, Derek and myself, Mike. How's it going? Uh, not bad. I, I'm just glad to know you survived open heart knee surgery as well. Well, it ain't <laughs> over yet, so. Wait, the recovery period. What are you trying to say? I could still go at any. <laughs> um. Well, like I said, it is Weeby Geeks. We are running a contest. Um. We are doing a giveaway for uh for the which we will give away at the end of the month. And as soon as I have details of what everything truly is, I will start the raffle process because I think I can do one of those. Get in so many, so many uh, entries. If you go follow certain people on Twitter, follow us on Facebook, stuff like that. Um, I do know we have a Halo book that's being donated from uh, Roco Depot, Stephen over at Roco Depot. And you're like, but it's a Star Wars giveaway. Ah, yes, but it's signed by John Jackson Miller and uh, Christy Golden, hmm. Star Wars authors. So how's that? I oh. assume they have something to do with the book then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, let's see if I can pull up this. What he showed. Uh, messages. It is Halo Fractures. Hmm. Extraordinary Tales from the Halo Canon. And it's got Christy Golden, John Jackson Miller, Troy Denning, and many more. And the book is signed by, uh, well, Brian Reed also did a book in this, or story in this too. Uh, it is signed by Christy Golden and by John Jackson Miller. So, Star Wars authors, that works. I, I will deal with that. Sure, sure. Um, and I want to I give a shout out to... Um, I, I want to give a shout out to on Twitter. It's Rural Armboy. Just for this post alone, them Smugglers Three are among the best. Ken, Derek, and Mike talking about Wookie Ray. Oh, thanks. That's nice. So nice to see. I just got. I got to get him to listen to this show this week. <laughs> um, and maybe I'll get him hooked on Weeby Geeks as well because I know I know he's hooked with hooked on us uh, over on Wookie Radio. So. Um, I want to say his name is Anthony, if I remember right from the voicemail he left us. It was either Anthony or Andrew. And I apologize, farm boy, um, but I only listened to that once. And for whatever reason, names are not staying in my memory. It's called Oldie. Yeah. Who are you again? <clears throat> Excuse me. I had a little uh, slip of the tongue there. Ah. 
<laughs> who, who are you again? I don't know. <laughs> um, so check out the homepage, wavygeeks.net. Support our affiliates. Supporting them supports us. Click on the images for Found Me or Heroes of Villain. Villains. It'll take you to their websites. Use the keyword we be geeks, all one word for 15% off your first purchase. And Heroes and Villains just dropped yesterday, as we're recording, Thursday, um, the Jedi and Sith stuff that they had at San Diego Comic-Con. No mm-hmm. backpacks, because the backpack was the Star Wars backpack, or the Stormtrooper backpack. But Sith and, and Jedi stuff, I love the Jedi Master Lanyard. I do love a lot more the Jedi Master um, products. Not not that I don't like the Sith stuff, but I wear so much black as it is because of work. I like mm. the light-colored stuff. <laughs> and I just really love the look of the, uh, the Jedi Master lanyard. It's a nice blue with Arabish all over it. Mm. Sweet looking. It really is sweet looking. Um, so, yeah. Also, to check out our web store. New products are up. The fixed Weeby Geeks hat is up. So you'll see exactly what you're getting. So click on the image that's got the rotating pictures, and I'll take you to our web store. So web store. Well, how about this in store instead? Uh, Netflix has procured the creative services of Game of Thrones, Benioff and Weiss, for a, as part of a nine-figure deal overall. That's insane. Yeah, it is. So, um, they, what has uh, long been, they've been the subject of speculation uh, regarding a long-term tenure after their time with Game of Thrones. And while they're getting them for their, probably the dream gig of writing and directing of a Star Wars film, if not potentially a trilogy, appears Netflix has come out the winner to retain them for an overall deal, one that could reportedly cost Said winner, $300 million. Wow. Insane. Um, so, the Emmy-winning Emmy executive producer, showrunner, duo of Benioff and Weiss, or as they say, D&D, if you will. I like Benioff and Weiss. We tried mm. the D&D route and it just felt odd. Um, yeah. are set to make Netflix their creative home for film and television projects with a five-year deal. Um so, uh, Netflix chief content officer Tez Sarandos lauds the deal. Uh, he goes, we're thrilled to welcome master storytellers, D&D, or Benioff and Weiss, to Netflix. They are a creative force and have delighted audiences worldwide with their epic storytelling. We cannot wait to see what their imaginations will bring to our now. I know people are going to go, yeah, but look at the last season of Game of Thrones. Again... We can only go based on the assumption, because they really haven't spoken out about it, that they were doing either what HBO execs are telling them to do or following the guidelines given to them by Martin. Also, Even I don't know. Martin threw them under the bus after. Yeah, I don't feel personally. I don't feel that the eighth season was as bad as bad as everyone's making it out to be. Sure, it was a little rushed. I would have liked to have seen it be longer than, you know, six episodes. But it was it was decent overall. My disappointment is we were being told they were gonna each episode was gonna be almost movie length. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking an hour and a half. Right. No, we had hour. Mm-hmm. If they went with the hour and a half format, six episodes would have been okay. Right. Because figure six episodes, hour and a half, that would have given us uh, two, four, or one, three. That would have given us nine episodes of material and six, if you break it down. Mm. Which I, which would have been good. Um, I do agree. I think the ending was a little weak. I mean, it was enjoyable. Yeah. But I don't think it had the wow or pop that the show probably deserved. Yeah, I can agree with that. But, but I can see that also, too, being Martin's idea of, well, this is how I would end the story. Mm, yeah. Since he hasn't written it. And everyone would be pissed at the book just as well. Mm. But because... 
HBO ended it. He's thrown them under the bus going, well, I'm not going to end the story the same way. It means yes. he has changed his mind. Right. So so he gets to say, oh, I wasn't going to do that. Oh, I yeah. was going to do this. So the, the only the, the best thing Benioff and Weiss could do is go, uh, no, here's the outline. Here's the guides that he gave us. This is what he was going to do. Mm. Here's his signature. But I'm still looking forward to seeing... What they do with Star Wars. Yes. I'm looking forward to seeing what they will pretend, or Game of Thrones wise. I'm I'm curious to see what they're going to do with this prequel mm, yeah. stuff too. And um, getting back to Star Wars with Benioff and Weiss with B&W. Um, I so much want Old Republic. Mm, definitely. And, and, I, and I have a funny feeling we're leaning that way since one of the saber options you, you get at um at Galaxy's Edge is the old republic quote unquote defender style lightsaber. Mm. So you so you have that old republic vibe to it cuz they say it's got language that or has writing on it that they don't understand. Mm-hmm. It's old republic arabish or whatever it was in the old republic before, before arabish became common. It was English. And speaking of Galaxy's Edge Listen to this week's Wookiee Radio for our take of the rumors of, or not the rumors, the uh, the announcing of attendance is down. Yes, California's Galaxy Edge seems like a ghost ghost town, and all that we talk about it over there pretty in depth. Mm. So um, now, Benioff and Weiss, as they what they have to say about their deal, we had a beautiful run with HBO for more than a decade. We're grateful to everyone there for always making us feel at home. Over the past few months, we spent many hours talking to Netflix, uh, President Vice President Cindy Holland, and Equiz- Netflix accusation. Equ- Acquisitions executive Peter Friedlander, as well as Netflix chief content officer Tez Sirendos, um, and Netflix head of original film Scott Struber. We remember the same shots from the same 80s movies. We love the same books. We're all excited about the same storytelling possibilities. Netflix has built something astounding and unprecedented, and we're honored they invited us to join them. So it makes you wonder what could be coming down the line. Mm. So, uh, right now, the Netflix deal may also leave in question some of the other items on the, the backlog for Benioff and Weiss, notably the HBO TV project Confederate, which may have been snake bit from the onset from its uh, future set new American Civil War premise, um, a story spark that may not be welcome in today's political powder keg. <laughs> yeah. Um, Benioff uh, co-wrote the October scheduled Will Smith actioneer Gemini Man, but will but the duo will is also attached to the untitled Kurt Cobain biopic for Universal, mm. as well as a Prison Break movie called Dirty White Boys for Fox under the Disney Temple. Mm. As far as the duo Star Wars tenure, that is still far enough on the horizon. But the first film with the trilogy potential currently penciled in for December sixteenth, twenty twenty two. Hmm. So that's that. So to continue on with Netflix, besides the fact that uh, Glow season three dropped today. Oh, did it? Oh, yep. Cool. I went to check at midnight. And it still wasn't there. Like mm-hmm. it's midnight. Where's Glow? Ready mm-hmm. to watch? Nope. Super suckers. <laughs> Super suckers. <laughs> nerf. Nerf. Yeah. yeah. What nerf? Look at the history there. Um. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I want to go uh, digital toys, like the old Coleco football, basketball, baseball, oh, yeah, to like yeah. the Defender, to the Digimon, to the Pocket Monsters or whatever, all that stuff. I mean, those are options. So, I don't know. Be curious to see. That's tons of stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well... How about this one? Marv Wolfman to help co-write Crisis on Infinite uh, co-write Arrows Crisis on Infinite Earths episode. Interesting. 
Um, this is actually kind of a short story, but it's okay. Uh, Arrow executive producer Mark Guggenheim says that the comic book writer will write season eight, episode eight with him. Uh, which is Arrow's entry into the Crisis on Infinite Earths TV crossover. Uh, Guggenheim broke the news at the Television Critics Association panel. Um, Wolfman wrote the Crisis on Infinite Earths comic book limited series, which rebooted DC's comic book continuity to combine multiple um, timelines into one combined time. Uh, for CW's Crisis, uh, the Arrow crossover will be with Flash, Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow, Batwoman, and characters from Black Lightning will also be appearing. Yeah, that's cool. And then hearing on top of this, we know Robin's going to be involved, Burt Ward, uh, Kevin Conroy. Yeah. Will actually be suiting up as Batman. That's crazy. Mark Hamill is rumored to be Joker. Mm, that would be cool. Um... Well, at this point in time, I would love to see Phil Lamar show off, show up as uh, John Stewart. Yeah, that'd be cool. So, I mean, and supposedly it's the end of Crisis that will kill off Arrow. With the series. Uh, so right. season eight may be it, or episode eight's possibly it. I don't know. Hmm. If not, it could be one of the last, you know, shortly after Crisis, Arrow's gone. And one of the best comments I've seen in these is, uh, wouldn't it be great to have Marv in a Marv and George cameo in one of the episodes, a la Stanley? Of course. Ah, it's their tale. They need to be in it. So, um, so yeah, that's that's that. But you know, hearing all this, I got this tune stuck in my head. <laughs> uh, I think it goes something like, dun, dun, dun. "No, that's not it." <laughs> I don't know what that was. That was me trying to remember the song. Anyway, the song that you are trying to remember is none other than the theme song from a little show called Friends. Yep, and. Uh, normally, it might not be something we talk about on this show, but it's kind of fun here because, uh, it's the 25th anniversary of Friends, which now makes me feel very old. <sighs> Tell me about it. Now, I will admit, yes, I have watched episodes of Friends because we watch it at work. It was not a show that I watched at home of my own volition. I watched it and it's one of my wife's favorite shows still to this day. So, of course, we still watch it in reruns occasionally. Uh, but anyway, to celebrate the 25th anniversary of Friends, Lego is creating a set, a Lego set specifically for Friends. And uh, it's, it's kind of, uh, if you're a Friends fan, it's pretty cool. It is, uh, so the show went on for 10 seasons, had 236 episode, episodes, episodes, and uh, many of those episodes took place in a little uh, coffee shop called Central Perk yep. that the friends yep. used to hang out in. So Lego is coming out with a set of the Central Perk coffee shop. Ooh. Ooh. Yes. Now, the set was selected by Lego's panel back in February. And they treat. Oh, uh, hmm? I was going to say part of the uh, um, Lego ideas. Mm hmm. Uh, and they've tweaked the design a little bit to make it more retail friendly. Uh, they cut down the size a little bit and the, the piece count, which was just over 1,700 pieces Jeez. <laughs> to, to 1,070 pieces, 15 of which are coffee cups. <laughs> you counted, didn't you? <laughs> Indeed. So, yeah, so that uh, that simplifies it a little bit and, you know, will help keep the price down, you know, from the 1700 piece set it originally was. Uh, so, of course, you get uh, the outside of the coffee shop with the red and, red and white striped awning and the big Central Perk logo on the window. And then you can open up the double doors and there's the stage where Phoebe belted out memorable tunes like Smelly Cat. Yep. And then, of course, you get the couch that they used to sit on all the time. And that, uh, that comes off nice and easy uh, for play or posing. 
And then uh, near where the couch is. Super suckers. <laughs> Super suckers. Nerf. Nerf, yeah. yeah what is Nerf? Look at the history there. Um, I I don't know. I mean, I, I want to go uh, digital toys, like the old Coleco football, basketball, baseball. Oh, yeah. To, like, yeah. the Defender, to the Digimon, to the Pocket Monsters, or whatever, all that stuff. I mean, those are options. So, I don't know. Be curious to see. There's tons of stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, how about this one? Marv Wolfman to help co-write Crisis on Infinite... uh, Co-write Arrow's Crisis on Infinite Earths episode. Interesting. Um, This is actually kind of a short story, but it's okay. Uh, Arrow executive producer Mark Guggenheim says that the comic book writer will write season eight, episode eight with him. Uh, which is Arrow's entry into the Crisis on Infinite Earths TV crossover. Uh, Guggenheim broke the news at the Television Critics Association panel. Um, Wolfman wrote the Crisis on Infinite Earths comic book limited series, which rebooted DC's comic book continuity to combine multiple um, timelines into one combined time. Uh, for CW's Crisis, uh, the Arrow crossover will be with Flash, Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow, Batwoman, and characters from Black Lightning will also be appearing. Yeah, that's cool. And then hearing on top of this, we know Robin's going to be involved, Burt Ward, uh, Kevin Conroy. Yeah. Will actually be suiting up as Batman. That's crazy. Mark Hamill is rumored to be Joker. Mm, that would be cool. Um... Well, at this point in time, I would love to see Phil Lamar show off, show up as uh, John Stewart. Yeah, that'd be cool. So, I mean, and supposedly it's the end of Crisis that will kill off Arrow. With the series. Uh, so right. season eight may be it, or episode eight's possibly it. I don't know. Hmm. If not, it could be one of the last, you know, shortly after Crisis, Arrow's gone. And one of the best comments I've seen in these is, uh, wouldn't it be great to have Marv in a Marv and George cameo in one of the episodes, a la Stanley? Of course. Ah, it's their tale. They need to be in it. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's that. But you know, hearing all this, I got this tune stuck in my head. <laughs> uh, I think it goes something like, dun, dun, dun. no, that's not it. <laughs> I don't know what that was. That was me trying to remember the song. Anyway, the song that you are trying to remember is none other than the theme song from a little show called Friends. Yep. And... Uh, normally, it might not be something we talk about on this show, but it's kind of fun here because uh, it's the 25th anniversary of Friends, which now makes me feel very old. <sighs> Tell me about it. Now, I will admit, yes, I have watched episodes of Friends because we watch it at work. It was not a show that I watched at home of my own volition. I watched it, and it's one of my f- wife's favorite shows still to this day. So, of course, we still watch it in reruns occasionally. Uh, but anyway, to celebrate the 25th anniversary of Friends, Lego is creating a set, a Lego set specifically for Friends. And uh, it's, it's kind of, uh, if you're a Friends fan, it's pretty cool. It is, uh, so the show went on for 10 seasons, had 236 episode, episodes, episodes, and uh, many of those episodes took place in a little uh, coffee shop called Central Perk yep. that the friends yep. used to hang out in. So Lego is coming out with a set of the Central Perk coffee shop. Ooh. Ooh. Yes. Now, the set was selected by Lego's panel back in February. And they treat. Uh, hmm? I was going to say part of the uh, um, Lego ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've tweaked the design a little bit to make it more retail friendly. Uh, they cut down the size a little bit and the the piece count, which was just over seventeen hundred pieces, Jeez. <laughs> to to one thousand seventy pieces, fifteen of which are coffee cups. 
<laughs> you counted, didn't you? <laughs> Indeed. So yeah, so that uh, that simplifies it a little bit, and you know, will help keep the price down. You know, from the seventeen hundred piece set it originally was. Uh, so of course you get uh, the outside of the coffee shop. With the red and, red and white striped awning and the big Central Perk logo on the window. And then you can open up the double doors and there's the stage where Phoebe belted out memorable tunes like Smelly Cat. Yep. And then, of course, you get the couch that they used to sit on all the time. And that, uh, that comes off nice and easy uh, for play or posing. And then uh, near where the couch is, you'll get the uh, counter where you'll find Gunther serving customers. Yep. And uh, they even have... I love the signboard, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they even have seven minifigures in total, including all six of the friends and Gunther. 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 And uh, they all come with uh, some interesting accessories, including uh, Chandler's sweet laptop. <laughs> sweet for the time. Um, <laughs> and of course, Rachel will have a tray and a mug. And Phoebe will have a very detailed acoustic guitar. It's actually a nice looking Lego guitar set. Guitar piece. Yeah, it is actually. It's really. <laughs> Um, and there's also a pizza box and a nice big slice because pizza appeared at some point in pretty much every episode. <laughs> so the Central Perk set goes on sale September 1st, and Lego has priced it at a very reasonable $59.99. Yeah. That's actually not that bad. Yeah, for, for a piece that size, yeah, pretty good. So there you go, kids. It's coming out in a couple of weeks. Yep. Well, um, you guys have heard of Simon Pegg and Nick Frost? Nope. Never heard of them. Okay. <laughs> but they kind of did this. these movies like, uh, oh, Shaun of the Dead. Nope. Don't know Spaced. it. Spaced. Nope. Paul. Mm-mm. Hot Fuzz. Nope. Not familiar. The World's End. Oh, yeah. That, nope. <laughs> of course, I'm just kidding. I love Nick Frost and Simon Pegg. Well, apparently they've got a new project coming. Mm, indeed. They will play Gus and Dave, who team up to uncover and film. I don't know why, but that, that makes me laugh. Gus and Dave. Paranormal <laughs> sightings across the UK. <laughs> and, of course, this is all inspired by shows like Ghost Hunters and some of the others. Uh, here is the description of the show. They stake out haunted churches, underground bunkers, and abandoned hospitals using an array of homemade ghost-detecting gizmos and share their adventures on an online channel. Their supernatural experiences grow more frequent, terrifying, and even deadly as the pair begin to begin to uncover a conspiracy that can threaten the entire human race. I love it. I love it. Uh, production production is set to begin in 2019. Uh, and the first season is slated for eight 30-minute-ish episodes. No word on when it may debut. So whether it comes out early 2020 or next fall on time for Halloween season, uh, it sounds perfect. Can't wait. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I love so, it. I, I love those two. I love those two together. They do great oh yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah. And this, this is probably going to be something along the lines of a Shaun of the Dead. So it's going to be good. I know it is. Yeah. Well, it'd be cool, too, if they did. Uh, I... I kind of want to see Nick Frost in in a Star Trek movie as well. Yeah, I'd love to see that. Yeah, that would that would be interesting too. So, yeah, I think it would be. Yeah, very interesting. So, um, at this point in time, I think you're up. Yep. And what am I going to talk about? Well, uh, let's talk about ABC, the network, and Marvel, the comic company. <laughs> <laughs> So, of course, sadly, we know that Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. will officially end next year with the seventh season. Have you have you finished season six yet? Not yet. Uh, very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, it had a good, uh, good setup for next season. Um, anyway, so with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. ending... What's Mar- what's ABC going to do for a Marvel show? Well, 
it looks like they have some ideas. Because according to Dateline, ABC Entertainment President Carrie Burke has revealed that the network is in talks with Marvel to develop and produce a new project which will be centered on a female superhero. Ah, very interesting. To which she said, I have spoken to Marvel, and we are in active talks about one project in particular. Uh, There's no details about this project yet, but she did describe the show's lead character as something brand new. Mostly. 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 So, um, sounds like it could be similar to an untitled Marvel Marvel show that ABC has given a production commitment to last year with uh, Alan Heinberg, who who wrote Young Avengers and Wonder Woman, writing the script and developing the series for the network. And Heinberg's series reportedly focuses on female characters with superpowers and that the drama will be utilizing lesser-known Marvel characters. Hmm. Interesting. Um, So there's some thought that perhaps, given uh, her recent popularity among fans, perhaps we could see something from uh, Kamala Khan, also known as Miss Marvel. Yeah. That'd be interesting. I'd like to see that. Um should be a a younger a younger lead, uh, which could be interesting. So uh we'll have to keep our eyes open on what could happen next. Because it looks like even though we're gonna lose Agents of Shield, unfortunately, we will still have some good Marvel stuff on ABC apparently. Right. Which is good. Yeah, it's all possible. Can you believe World of Warcraft's been out? Um, has been out fifteen years. Wow. Yeah, I just got a thing about a free gift. <laughs> so. Yeah. Everything's been out a long time now, including us. Hey, resemble. Mm. Um. Well, you went that route, so. I guess that's me next with Paramount and Hasbro are developing a G.I. Joe spinoff. Yay. Uh, the studio already has a reboot of the main series as well as a Sna- Snake Eyes spinoff, but apparently it's not the only character getting a spin a standalone film. Uh, the report doesn't offer a lot of details about this film, but however, uh, it's being claimed to be an ensemble piece that suggests there'll be an, offsh- an offshoot collection of Joes separate from the primary team. Um, the HR notes that one of these characters will be Chuckles, a floral shirt wearing undercover specialist. <laughs> Chuckles. I remember Chuckles. Chuckles made his appearance as an action figure in 1987. Mm-hmm. Was that under the, uh... Drug Wars line, or was that, or was that type stuff later? Yeah, that that stuff was later. Um, however, Chuckles was more predominantly featured in G- IDW's GI Joe comics, even though he did make his appearance in the same year under the Marvel GI Joe line. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Chuckles does indeed show up in the new movie, it will mark the character's debut appearance in live action. Hmm. So, an odd choice to be sure, but. Yes, it is. Especially given that so far the G.I. Joe films have not been yeah. Oh, yeah. good yeah. <laughs> at all. Like, yeah. at all. I didn't mind the story of the first one. I just got upset because how come Scarlet wasn't wearing her bright yellow, gray, and everything else colored outfit? <laughs> and why weren't some of the other characters wearing their costumes from the, mo- from the comics? Because they want to make it look more real world. And then they threw in the stupid stuff like those acceleration suits or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, it was. Uh... Yeah. I agree. So, well, this would be uh, back to you. So, when you think of Star Wars, who is the first person you think of? Don't answer that. I already know it's Neil Patrick Harris. Of course. 
doesn't everybody think of Neil Patrick Harris when they think of Star Wars? Uh, sure. Well, apparently uh, Disney and Freeform did because they have they're going to have Neil Patrick Harris host a TV special that will be focusing on Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Ooh. So, I mean, uh, I like Neil Patrick Harris, and he makes a pretty good host. He's hosted some award shows and stuff, so why not, right? Um, and I'm, I'm going to – I don't remember, but I'm going to say he's probably a Star Wars fan. So that's always a bonus. Sort of. I've actually met him uh, since he's oh, really? down every year at uh, Candlelight Recession at Epcot. Mm, Very nice, nice guy. Yeah, he seems like a really nice guy. Um, so the special is going to be called Star Wars Galaxy's Edge Adventure Awaits. Yes, it it's going to air on Freeform. It's going to give everybody an inside look at the new theme park, which you will have seen by then. Yes, I will. <laughs> so, um, of course... Uh, Neil Patrick Harris, or NPH as he likes to be called, <laughs> will take viewers on an exploration of the Outer Rim planet of Batu and its many enticing locales. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this is this is an interesting line right here. It says, "Ever since it opened in May, Galaxy's Edge has been a big draw for Disneyland's Anaheim location." Uh, <laughs> Refer back to Wookiee Radio this week. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, we know that uh, Disney World in Florida will also have its own Galaxy's Edge, which somebody is going to get to see next week. And it ain't me. Wait, who's that? And it ain't me. It ain't, wait. Must it is me. Radio. <laughs> so. It is me. Yeah, it's you, all right. So, uh... Of course, there will also be an assortment of celebrity guests on this show throughout the two-hour special. Ooh, they can do a lot with two hours. Uh, Keegan-Michael Key, for example, will join Neil Patrick Harris for a sit-down in Oga's Cantina. Doing that. Later on in the episode, uh, NPH and Modern Family Sarah Hyland will learn about the conflict between the Resistance and the First Order. And Hyland will also build her own droid at the park's Droid Depot. Very cool. Sweet. And then former Tonight Show host Jay Leno will check out Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run, uh, where he'll presumably put his car expertise to good use. Eh. Why do I see that as a cheesy bit? Oh, yeah, it's going to be so cheesy. Well, um, <laughs> it doesn't doesn't handle like a 52 Studebaker does, but what do you expect <sighs> for the greatest hunk of junk in the galaxy? Not not a bad impression, by the way. No, thank you. You are almost an, as annoying as him. Moving <laughs> 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 on. Then NPH will sit down with Kaylee Cuoco from Big Bang Theory, and who will also be playing Harley Quinn in the upcoming animated show. Uh, and they will get an early look at Star Wars Rise of the Resistance, oh. which will open later this winter. The one thing you won't get to see next week. Aww. I'll get to see, I'll get to see the front facade. Sure. That's about so, it. And here's the thing that stinks. I can't even take pictures of it. Oh. <laughs> Maybe you'll see some scaffolding. So, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge Adventure Awaits will premiere on Sunday, September 29th at 8 p.m. on Freeform. So, I'll have to set my DVR to record that. Yeah. Now, what day was that again? Sunday. Sunday, Sunday. September 29th at 8 okay. p.m. on Freeform. The end of September. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. How about this? No. Yes. Ten, uh, 10 80s movies that were way ahead of their time. Oh, boy. See if we agree or disagree. Yes, this should be an interesting one. The Breakfast Club. Okay, I'll go with that one. Um, this is from Screen Rant, and there they say uh, it is one of John Hughes's most famous movies, and perhaps one that stands out as being the most original and unique. Mm -hmm. I'll give you that. Yeah, 
Um, they say it was ahead of it. Everybody knows The Breakfast Club or knows of it, even if you haven't seen it. It's one of those films that became a virtual instant classic and today holds a lot of relevance. For an 80s movie, The Breakfast Club was ahead of its time, which is what makes it very enjoyable still today. Mm. Number nine. I just, I gotta do this. <laughs> oh. Are you telling me you built a time machine? That's right. Back to the future. Yes. A classic. Hey, they predicted a Miami baseball team before it even came about. (laughs) Um, They almost predicted the Cubs winning the World Series, too. God, they were so close on that one. Um, the, the film's considered a timeless classic yet today, and what sets it apart from other 80s films is the fact that Back to the Future has aged pretty well, because it was a heaviest time, literally, back when it was first released. Ah, I see what they did there. Yeah. Number eight, The Shining. Ooh. Uh, yeah, I'll agree with this one. Uh, it has strong influence on modern horror filmmakers today, and that is a notable indicator that the film is very ahead of its time. Number seven, The Princess Bride. Ah, one of my favorites. Uh, it was witty, heartwarming, hilarious, and a hilarious masterpiece, and it's a film that is still often quoted and referenced today. Often quoted by me, yes. As my wife said, literally today, I guess <laughs> she had a rough. So hopefully y'all. <laughs> I heard it. <laughs> so may have to boost this small section, but well, I also like the art. You wear the R O U S. Rodents of unusual size. Would have been better if you said have fun storming the castle. <laughs> so uh, number six, Beetlejuice. Ah, yes, another Which, excellent. Have you seen the trailer for Beetlejuice 2? No, I didn't know there was a trailer. Yeah, I'll show you after show. It's like a teaser. Um, what makes Beetlejuice iconic today is probably the same thing that contributed to it being a sleeper hit when it was first released. It's completely un- unapologetically eccentric and unique. Uh, today, Beetlejuice has garnered quite a cult following. Number five, Dirty Dancing. Nah, they lost me. Um... <laughs> The magic and charm of Dirty Dancing would prove to be something unique to the film itself. It's still considered a timeless classic and one that would still be enjoyable upon several rewatches. Because, you know, no one puts a baby in the corner. Sure. Uh, number four, Gremlins. Ooh, yes. I would love to see a new Gremlins movie. There's supposed to be something. It's a, I want to see it as a reboot, but also a sequel. Yeah. Uh, it's it's quirky, it's eccentric, funny, scary, and just unique in its own way. A decade, uh, a decade where The Shining, Nightmare on Elm Street, Hellraiser, The Thing, Friday the Thirteenth, and Poltergeist dominated the film industry. Gremlins was an overlooked masterpiece. Number three, The Color Purple. Like was that in overlooked? I didn't I think so was, either. I thought it was pretty popular. I I did. Um, number three. The Color Purple, uh, starring Whoopi Goldberg and Danny Glover. Color Purple was one of Spielberg's most successful films. It's considered a historical classic and holds a 85% on Rotten Tomatoes. Hmm. Number two, Aliens. Ah, yes. Arguably the most memorable, iconic, I'm talking, (laughs) and this pause is going to be edited out. Anyway. Um, it's our most memorable, iconic addition to the franchise is Aliens. It featured empowering performances and compelling storylines, and it's a favorite of many fans to rewatch. I'll rewatch the first one. I want, I want the, I want the entire franchise on Blu-ray. It's one of those I want on Blu-ray. Yeah, it's funny. The first one was great. The second one was great. The third one, at the time, I, I didn't care for. No, but it's it's better than. I originally thought it was, but then the fourth one, Resurrection. <sighs> See, that was that's one of my favorites. Are you kidding me? That one's brutal. I loved that one. Oh, that one was horrible. I, I loved the whole thing where you see the different times they tried to reclone her and the projects failed. Ugh. Oh, that one. Oh, that one hurts me. Hey, it's better than Aliens versus Predator. Oh. That's, oh, well, that's actually, a tough. No. Aliens vs. Predator, AVP was good. AVP 2 was horrible. I, I didn't care for either of them. I didn't mind AVP. AVP 2 bothered me a lot. Mm, I think the first one bothered me more. 
But this whole thing of, oh, now we have a predator that is melded yeah. with... Uh, yeah. The, the xenomorph is a blend of... That comes out of the predator is a blend of the predator and a xenomorph. Yet, mm. how come that didn't happen whenever it melded with a human? Why didn't it take a human, human form of some sort, facially? It didn't make sense to me. But anyway, number one, driving Miss Daisy. Hmm. Uh, put, putting the drama regarding Black, uh, Green Book aside, driving Miss Daisy was still was and still is an iconic classic, starring Morgan Freeman in one of his most famous roles. And is still considered to be ahead of its time. Without driving Miss Daisy, I don't think he would have gotten Green Book. I don't. I haven't seen Green Book, so I don't quite get the whole controversy thing, but. I haven't seen it either. I, I, all I know is it's a, a white man who is very racist driving mm. a black man around in the South. Right. And I don't know. I guess it, it's some people think it's not as good as some people think it did not deserve to win an Oscar. I guess I've heard. I, I don't know. Right. Me either. So I haven't seen it, so I can't comment. But that's I, I have not seen it either. Um, but I will say uh well, um, I agree. Driving Miss Daisy is definitely timeless and ahead of its time. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, I got one final thought before we wrap show. Okay. This came across my feed. I'm going to avoid part of it because I don't want to say where it's from. Okay. But brings this up. This is this person's opinion. BB-8 has nothing on R2. The will did not need to be reinvented in this case, R2 should have been the droid Roy or Ray encounters in Force Awakens. Instead, he's hidden under a tarp the whole film. I don't get the decisions made in the sequel trilogy. They turned everything inside out, only to wrap it up with Episode Nine. Makes no sense. Lucasfilm clearly were trying to establish new characters to carry on the saga into the next trilogy. But that plan has been scrapped. The sequel trilogy should have spot should have spotlighted classic characters with new heroes gradually emerging. The focus always should have been Han, Luke, and Leia with Chewie and the droids. Totally, total no-brainer. Maybe they should have thought about this stuff before they announced the film release dates without having a story script or director in place. Working under the gun from day one was sloppy corporate greed. Calling the shots has led to dis- to a distinct misunderstanding of the essentials. Hashtag missed opportunities. Whatever, dude. <laughs> so your thoughts that was my thought whatever dude my thought i have no problems with bb-8 nope i like bb-8 my problem came with bb-8 in last jedi that if you're turning him into the new r2 and that type of astromech into the new common more common astromechs they should have given BB-8 the responsibility of the Codebreaker instead of going and looking for one. Because that's what, because they would have used R2 in that aspect, you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe. So, um, otherwise... The funny thing with BB-8 is when I first saw him before um, Force Awakens came out, I thought he was going to be stupid. But then when I saw that they actually made an actual physical BB-8, that's when I actually finally... He won me over because at right. first I thought it's going to be computer generated, but well, they they may he wasn't free rolling during the film shoots. The no, but first free rolling one came at celebration. Yeah, but I thought he was just going to solely be completely computer generated, right. and I was like, well, that's stupid. Why would they do that? But then when I found out he was, you know, right, and there was an actual physical, I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Right. Well, my thing is the whole, you know, Lucasfilm more clearly trying to establish new characters to carry the saga into the next trilogy, but that plan has been scrapped. Okay, what new trilogy, what next trilogy are we talking about? There weren't plans for an episode 10, 11, or 12. No. There was never any plans for that. As we've suggested, if you keep those characters, they need to either start their own trilogy and their own adventure. Just don't call them episode one, two, or three, or anything else, or 10, 11, 12. Just give it its own thing. And of course they're going to make new characters. Yeah. So it's... It's, you know, 30 years later for crying out loud. 
Yeah. Thankfully, this person didn't get into the whole, I want my original, I want the EU back. Mm. Is, but I, I don't know for sure if this person was an EU person or not. Mm. Um, but I, I do appreciate the fact that his comments are based on just the movies. Yeah. So, and to say working under the gun from day one was sloppy corporate greed. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know what? Let's look at the prequels. If you want to go that route, you're talking about working under sloppy independent greed at that point. If you want, yeah. if you want to do that, because you know Lucas had full control. I mean, he did of the original trilogy, but he he was smart enough with Empire to let someone Empire Return let someone else direct them. Right. He chose to keep everything to himself with the original trilogy. <clears throat> Good or great movies as they are, depending on how you look at it, it's um, every person that with that trilogy has a favorite film, and the other two don't hold up to it at all for, for people. For me, my favorite of the three is Attack of the Clones, and I get criticized for it left and right, but... On Wookie Radio, when you guys criticize me about it, you guys still respect me for it, though, which is fine. Um, I know you guys really like... Um, Actually, I don't really... Out of the prequels, I don't really have a favorite one. But you had mentioned if you did, it was gonna, it would be uh, Revenge of the Sith. Well, I mentioned that my least favorite one was Phantom Menace. I I almost feel the same way, and, and I think that whole I think it started with the whole creating the midichlorian. Yeah, that was a big part of it, and also I just didn't need to see Darth Vader as a little kid. No, I think I think if if Attack of the Clones started with the first half hour of a young Anakin and how he becomes Padawan to sure sure. To Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan, and we have the brief introduction of a Darth Maul, and actually have Darth Maul carry into Attack of the Clones more, die, die, and then have Dooku at the same time. So we see two Sith Lords Mm -hmm. under the same Sith Master. I think that would have been more mind-blowing. And then you could have done another Clone Wars-based movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Then Revenge of the Sith. I think that would have been okay. Yeah, yeah. Another reason I hate the Phantom Menace that kill he killed off Darth Maul. He, I, I would say he had come close to being Darth Vader with, ooh, this guy is evil, and I like it. Yes. Whereas yes. Vader, I, I still think Vader is the ultimate movie villain. Agreed. So I haven't seen one that is remotely. I can't think of one that's remotely close. Mm. That's just me, though. And me. So um, any final thoughts on your end? I think I'm all thunk out. You're all thunk out. Well, on that note, I'm going to say there's only one thing to ask. Want to know more? So, um, the bad crowd you've been hanging out with is a science fiction club? This has been a Weeby Geeks production. It's next Saturday night. We're sending you back to the future.